This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Run, David, Run, and it comes from 1 Samuel 21, verses 1 through 15. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk, Inc. could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts, so won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Now, your contributions are never used for salary or managerial purposes, but 100% goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson as we've gone through the book of 1 Samuel, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com. Again, that's Radio Bible Class with no space between radiobibleclass.podbean.com. Also, you can find us where you love to listen to your podcast. Go out there and search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. As I said in the introduction today, we pick back up in the book of 1 Samuel, and we're at chapter 21. And I think about the movie of Forrest Gump. Well, I think about the part in that movie where he and young Jenny are standing there, and Forrest gets hit in the back of the head with a rock. As they turn around, there are the three boys that are picking on Forrest right here on this back desert road. As he's turned around... Now they throw a second rock and they hit him and it knocks him to the ground. Now if you remember, Jenny stoops down and starts to pick Forrest up and help him up when the boys reach for more rocks. At that point, Jenny turns him around and pushes him towards his house and tells him, Run, Forrest, run, as the boys see that. And they get on their bikes and they chase after him. Anyhow, that's kind of what's happening here with David. David is being chased by Saul. He wants to kill him. We've studied that over the last several chapters. Anyhow, last week we saw that Jonathan and David found out that Saul truly wanted to kill him. And so Saul told him to run and don't come back. Leave. He shot the arrow out, if you remember, as I talked about. And then he signaled. And then, then he and David you know, hugged and they cried as David left. And so we pick up today right at this point where we're going to see David run two different times. And so turn with me, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter 21. We'll start in verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 21, and I'll be reading out of the ESV. And then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest. And Ahimelech came to David, trembling, and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? And David said to Ahimelech, the priest, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of this matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. 
I have made an appointment with a young man for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread if the young men have kept themselves from the women. And David answered to the priest, Truly women have been kept from us, as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it's on an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread but the bread of the presence, which is removed before the Lord, to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. Now a certain man of the servant of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg the Idiomite, the chief of Saul's herdmen. And then David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not a spear or a sword at hand? For I had bought neither my sword or my weapons with me, because of the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephah. If you will take it, take it, for there is none but that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it to me. And we're going to stop right there for now. Well, just like those bullies were picking on Forrest Gump and he had to run for his safety, here we see that King Saul is jealous and he's harassing David and he's trying to kill him and David has to run for his life. And so here we see that he runs to Nob. I bet there's someone listening today that's probably on the run today. You feel like you are literally having to run for your life, just like David was. But it's not because someone's going to murder you. It's because you're feeling hassled. You've been harassed. You're restless. You're in between something. There's a transition going on. You're off your game. You're out of your routine. Basically, anything that has you in trouble. And you can relate to David as I'm telling this today. David is now officially on the run. He'll be on the run for the rest of 1 Samuel. Today, we would call him an outlaw. We would call him a fugitive. And he's literally running for his life as Saul continually tries to track him down and kill him. We'll see today that there's two places that David tries to run to. First, he runs to Nob, and we read that. Nob is where Ahimelech lived. If you've ever looked at a map, you'll find out that Nob is just north of Jerusalem, but it's south of Gibeah where Saul lived and where he ruled out of. So David pays a visit to the high priest right here at Nob, and unfortunately he ends up deceiving the high priest while he's there. There's going to be dire quinces for what he does while he's talking to this high priest. And what we see right here in the first three verses is that David has a problem with lying again. He starts off lying to the priest. And we see when David gets to Ahimelech's house, he trembles. He's in fear when David comes to meet him alone. He obviously suspects something is wrong. And he asks David that. He says, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? Instead of telling him the truth, David lies to him. He tells the high priest that he's on a special mission for the king. And the king's asked him to keep it quiet. But he needs bread for him and his men. Now, over the past several lessons, we've looked at this problem with lying. We're going to look at it quickly again. I want you to turn with me to Proverbs 17, 20. And it says that he who has a deceitful heart finds no good. But anyhow, David lies to the priest. And the priest is trembling. He's probably heard by now that David is on the hunt. 
that David is being hunted by King Saul. And he's trying to get the real scoop on this story. Now, David should have told him the truth. Saul's trying to kill me. I need to be hidden. I need help. I mean, this is the priest. This is one of the people that you don't lie to. There's a few people in the world you don't lie to. One, you don't lie to your pastor or your priest. You don't lie to your doctor. And you don't lie to yourself. Here's one of those three people. And he's in a position to help him. He's a guy who can protect him. But no, for whatever reason, David chooses to lie to protect himself. I'm sure everybody listening to me understands that in Leviticus 19.11, it says you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't deal falsely, and you should not lie to one another. And anyhow, what we find right here is that David had great faith and courage in God, yet both of them fell him. Right here, he lets them go out the window. You know, we like to think about David, and he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man that had great faith. We saw as a boy, he stood up to Goliath and he took Goliath down. But now we see that he's looking at life through his own eyes. He's forgotten his identity. And what does he do? He acts in fear and cowardness and therefore he lies. One commentator says, David probably lied to protect Ahimelech, to keep him from getting involved. But we'll see later that that doesn't happen. As a matter of fact, he winds up dying because of it. But whatever the reason, David lies to this priest. You know, again, in Proverbs 12, it says that the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. Lying can be a real temptation when we're in a time of trouble like David is. It can be a real temptation when we're on the run. Lying is convenient. It's part of our flesh. It lets us show that we're operating in our flesh instead of operating out of the spirit. It might seem like our only option at the time, and I'm sure that's what David's thinking because he's operating in his flesh. But lying demonstrates that we have a lack of trust in God and we're operating out of our flesh. You might say, Tim, what do you mean by that? Well, it means that I don't trust God enough that I've got to try to do this myself. I want to do this myself instead of turning it over to God. And then we see that David asked for bread. Now, Ahimelech doesn't have any ordinary bread, so he gives David the bread normally reserved for the priests. This was known as the bread of the presence. Every Sabbath, the priests would set out 12 loaves of bread before the Lord. The 12 loaves were set in two rows, symbolizing the 12 tribes of Israel. Only the priests were allowed to eat the bread and only in a special place. That's all out of Leviticus. You can go look that up. I don't have time to go into it. So even though giving bread to David and his men was technically against the rules, Ahimelech decides the need of life and sustain is more important than the case. And Jesus even talked about this, and he talks about this decision in Matthew 12, where he's being criticized by the Pharisees for walking through the grain field on the Sabbath and that they were eating some of the grain. And Jesus tells them that, did you not hear about the incident with David and the showbread? He goes on to tell the Pharisees that the purpose of the law is to have mercy on others. And so with that being said, that means Ahimelech did nothing wrong by letting David have the bread. I know there are preachers out there that preach that only Levites were allowed to eat this bread. And because of that, then David sinned. But we see that Jesus talked about it in Matthew 12, and he talks about it being used for mercy. So I don't believe there was any sin here. 
Once again, we can learn from this that David is operating out of his flesh. Why? Because he's trying to feed his body food. And you go, well, Tim, I got to eat. I'm hungry. No, I get that. But he should have had faith that God will provide. Instead, he's operating on what he knows and he knows where stuff is. So he's operating on that. But then David takes it one more step further. And he asks about, do you have a weapon? But before that happens, Doeg, the idiomite, is there and he hears and he sees what's going on. As I play this out in my mind, it's kind of like watching a movie. There's a bunch of people in a room. And what happens in the movie? They shoot the screen over to one person's face. And there's that shifty look in their eye. That ominous music starts to play in the background. And you know right away that that guy's a villain. And you better watch out for him. And that's Doeg here. Doeg is this shadowy figure in this verse. And it turns out that Doeg is an informer. We're going to see that he is the reason there will be a price to pay for helping David out here. The Bible's not real clear if David saw him or not. But I think he did because I think that's why he asked for a weapon. He asked Ahimelech, give me the sword of Goliath then if you don't have a spear. And David gladly takes it. Once again, we see that David's operating out of fear. He's operating out of the flesh because he's gone from trusting God and killing Goliath with a slingshot and a stone. Now he's trying to find a way to defend himself from Saul. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Who is David trusting? Is he trusting in God or is he trusting in his own strength? And we would have to answer that. He's trusting his own strength. He's not trusting God. He's already lied. He's already taken the bread. And now he's asked for a weapon. This is the same man that's operating in fear that wrote in Psalms 3.3, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're my glory. You're the one who lifts up my head. But that's not happening right now. It's an act of unbelief that he takes the sword. It's an act that God can't do it. This is bigger than you, God. That's what he says as he takes that sword and he doesn't put his faith in him. He operates in the flesh. Well, unfortunately, David takes something that is already kind of bad and makes it worse. What does he do? He goes and he hides with the enemy. He runs to Gad. The king of Gad was a sworn enemy of Israel. And so David says, where's the best place to hide? Obviously, I've already been seen here at Amimelech's house, right here in Nob, I'm going to go to Gad. And why am I doing that? Because Saul will never come look for me there. Now, he's going to the land where they worship false gods. They battle with Israel. They're pagans. You could say that David has gone from defeating the enemy to now sleeping with the enemy. So David leaves and goes to Gad. Let's read that real quick. Look at verses 10 through 15 with me. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not David the king of the land? Do they not sing the one another of him that dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish and the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the door of the gate and let his spit run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen? Then you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? 
shall this fellow come into my house? Like I said, David probably hoped that he could hide out in Gath for a while, but he couldn't because he was recognized there too, and the people turned him over to Achish the king. They even knew the song that the Israelites sang about him. You know that tune that got him in trouble that started all this? Saul is slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Don't you remember the ten thousands and that song? Well, to make things worse, the folks that he slain were the Philistines. And here David is in one of the Philistine capital cities, and he's being brought before the king. Once again, it's probably not the best idea for David to go strolling into Goliath's hometown carrying Goliath's sword. But it's a reminder to all of us that our actions follow us. Understand, whether it's good or bad, our actions follow us. And that's important to remember because a lot of times when you're on the run, when you're trying to get through whatever it is that's just driving you crazy, what are you doing? You're trying to escape the things of your past. Most of the time, you're trying to get rid of what the past happened. You're running from something instead of to something. And we can learn that we really shouldn't be running from them. We should face them. But today, if you're running from your past, just be aware that it will catch up with you. We read in 1 Timothy 5 that the sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious and even those that cannot be hidden. What Timothy is saying and what we can learn from here is we are who we are. We've done what we've done and nothing can really change the past. But the good news of Christianity is that Jesus not only died for your sins, he also came to redeem your past. We all make mistakes, but God doesn't make any mistakes. We offer up our whole life to Christ, not just part of it, and God redeems our life. He washes us whiter than snow. And then when we let God be our provider, he will take those things that we should be ashamed of, and he will forget them. He throws them as far as the east is from the west. As a matter of fact, he even takes those things that we should be ashamed of. Sometimes we call them lemons, and he makes lemonade out of them. He takes them and makes them something good, something beautiful, something that we can help use to move his kingdom forward. God can take our foolish acts and use them according to his plan and the purpose that he has for us. But what we see here is that David is recognized. And now he has to do another desperate measure. I mean, David is rightly afraid of King Achish and what he might do to him. So what does he do? He pretends to be a madman. He makes marks on the door. He lets slava run down his beard. And you know what? It works. King Achish no longer sees David as a threat. And he lets him go. He's like, why did you bring him to me? I got enough madmen running around here. I don't need another one. The writer of 1 Samuel throws in a comical line from King Achish when he says, Do I not have enough madmen around here already? Why bring me one more? I'm a leader. I can tell you that I don't need another problem. I tell my people that all the time. And that's roughly what the king's saying here. I got enough problems. I don't need another one. Why would you bring a problem to me? He's no longer a threat to us. Look at him. He's crazy. He's a madman. Through the desperation of David, he's lucky. David comes away from being a hero who defeated Goliath, reduced to a madman who's drooling in his own beard. And we see that later in life, David reflects on this incident, and he says that God protected him the whole time. If you go look at Psalms 34, it was written about this incident. 
Some of the Psalms in the Bible have what we call inscriptions at the beginning of them, and it gives you the background of that Psalm. And the inscription at the beginning of Psalms 34 tells us that this is the Psalm of David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. You may have caught something and went, hey, Tim, well, hold on before you keep going. I thought you said this psalm was about King Abimelech, and you told us that he went before King Achish. Well, Abimelech means father of the king, and it probably was a Philistine title of the king, similar to Pharaoh in Egypt. See, there were many Pharaohs in Egypt, just like there were multiple Abimelechs that were among the Philistines. For example, in Genesis 20 and 26, we see Achish was the king's name and Abimelech was his title. So don't get so wrapped up around that. What I will tell you is that this was written about this particular instance. But right here in Psalm 34, it's David giving praise to God for delivering him in, the, in a time of trouble. David writes in Psalms 34, 4, and 6, I sought the Lord and he answered me. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man called him and the Lord heard him and he saved him out of all his troubles. You know, desperate times calls for desperate measures and David was desperate. So what did he do? He acted crazy. Some of you today are acting just like David. You're running around like a madman. You may not be scratching on doorposts. You may not have drool coming out of the side of your beard, but you're acting out of desperation. And out of that desperation, you do things that don't make sense. And that's what madmen do. They don't do things that make sense. Maybe today you need money and you need it immediately. And instead of turning as your first choice to God, you're leaving him as your last resort and you're trying to do it in your own strength. Maybe there's a problem in your marriage, and instead of facing it and getting help through it, you just run from it. You're doing something that you shouldn't be doing about your marriage. Maybe there's a sickness, and you're taking some crazy risk by doing some unthought-of idea on how to get over the sickness because you didn't like what the doctor said. Some of you probably want to take challenge with me right now and go, well, Tim, what I'm doing appears to be right. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. There's a way that seems right to man. There's a path before each person that seems right. But if you take that path, instead of listening and letting your trust be in the Lord, let him guide your path. Guess what the Bible says? It leads to death. It makes you act like a madman. I want you to understand this principle. Like David, you may be experiencing times where you have to take a desperate measure in your life. But when those times come, when desperation seems to be there, remember that God is there to help you. When you face desperate times, remember David's testimony in Psalm 34, 6. This poor man called and the Lord heard him and he saved him out of his troubles. Are you calling out to the Lord? Are you operating out of fear? Are you operating out of faith? I'm almost out of time, so let me close with this final thought about fear and faith. With everything that's going on in the world today, the spirit of fear seems to be working overtime. We have every reason to be afraid. We have every reason to fear. But the spirit of fear doesn't come from God. It can be crippling to anyone that holds it. And we see that David wound up making some bad choices because he operated in a spirit of fear. The devil wants us to be afraid. He wants us to be so overwhelmed that we cannot accomplish the things that we need to do. 
But if we remember God is for us, that no one can be against us, we are overcomers. We are to hold on fast to God and stand strong when fear comes our way. You know, recently I had a personal situation causing me a lot of stress and concern. I needed a clear word from the Lord. And as I sat on my couch in the middle of the night and I called out to God for the word and asking him that he would give it to me, I hated the feeling that I was feeling so bad and so fearful. I turned in my Bible looking for the right scripture when I came to the one out of Acts 18, 9, and 10. It says, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. It immediately gave me a peace as I read that. I'd been feeling something bad was going to happen to me. I couldn't shake that feeling. But now I knew that God was going to take care of me. He gave me that word. I knew that God's hands were there and I needed to continue doing what I was doing and doing what God called me to do. I knew that I would not be harmed if I was doing what God wanted me to do because he had his angels around me protecting me. I was like David saying that God will save me. I don't know what's going on in your life today as you sit here and listen to me, but what I can tell you is I do know that God will take and he will help you. He will make us an overcomer if we will just walk in faith and not fear. And you go, but Tim, you don't understand. I'm in a financial crisis. Or Tim, my marriage, my wife or my husband has told me they want a divorce. Or Tim, you don't understand. I got that call from a doctor that says that this is a terminal illness. Whatever it is, I'm not saying it's not bad. I'm not saying it's not fearful. What I am telling you is that God is there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And he will have his angels protecting you if you will just operate in him out of your spirit and not out of that spirit of fear like David did. As I reflect on this chapter, how David's heart must have felt when he had to run from Saul, how he had to beg for bread. How he had to act insane to get away from the king and Gath. How bad things must have seemed to him at that point in time. And I'm telling you, some of you can relate to this. But we know as we study the rest of this, this book, as we study 2 Samuel, we see that David eventually becomes king. Yet things are bleak and dark at the moment, but he puts his trust back into God and God takes care of him. David wasn't perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We, there's only one perfect person. And he went to a cross and he died for us. And we have to put our trust in him. So we do that today. Whatever you're facing, whatever that fear is, whatever making you operate out of a spirit of fear, will you give it to God today? Will you do that? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and we thank you for this time. Lord, we know that David did some things that wasn't really the best decision to make because he was operating out of self. He was operating out of his flesh instead of out of trust. He had his eyes focused on man and not on you. He let the world's problem become bigger than you. Lord, there's some that are listening today that have done the exact same thing that David did right here. Lord, I pray today that they will lay it at your feet. Lord, whatever it is, Lord, I pray today that they will say, Lord, I'm sorry that I've been operating like a madman. Lord, I'm sorry that I've not made the best decisions. They looked right to me, but they weren't really the right decisions. Lord, let me now put my trust in you. Lord, take these lemons that I have. Lord, help me in this dark hour. 
Lord, be my salvation. Lord, I pray today that they will do that. Lord, maybe there's one that's never asked you to be Lord of their life. They've never asked you to be true salvation to them. Lord, I pray today would be the day, Lord, that they would believe on how you did live the perfect life. You were the perfect sacrifice. You took all the sins that they have committed and that they're going to commit, and you took them to the cross, and you nailed it there. You were the perfect sacrifice. You overcame death, and you rose again. Lord, your word tells us that if we will confess that we're a sinner and we need you, and that we'll believe on our heart, we'll believe in our heart, we'll act in faith, on what you, the work you did on the cross, and that we will confess you, we'll tell others about that, and we'll chase after you, that you will save us. Lord, right now, I pray that that person will do that. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for all the blessings you give us. Lord, thank you for this book. Lord, I'm learning so much and how to walk better with you. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings you give this ministry. And Lord, we give it all back to you. Lord, we Thank you. It's in your name we ask each and every one of these requests. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.